My name's Chris, and uh, I just want to thank you all so much for coming tonight. Uh, we're going to have a great time. I hope you've already been blessed. And uh, I just want to say a special thanks to this church and uh, this staff and, and Pastor Roger just for having a, a vision to be able to reach, um, to reach people. And uh, as you know, this church, First Baptist, is a very much of a giving church. It's a mission-minded church. And uh, I love Roger. I love my boss, Bill Graham. Um, who is just a joy to work with most times, and uh, uh, it is just, uh, it is really a blessing to be here. And all y'all people uh, that we spend Sunday morning in and out, I love each and every one of you guys. Uh, Y'all know it's hard work what we do, Um, but uh, God is good, isn't he? He is good. He is really good. Um, All right, I've got to preach. Let's get into it this way. Even at first glance... Uh, is somebody just picks up the New Testament for the first time. There is a sense and a realization that being a spiritual person, being a follower of Christ, has more to do with how you treat people and less with how much you know. That whether or not you're a spiritual person or not, or you love Jesus a lot, has far less to do with how much you know is how well you treat other people. That's a little different because in most churches, that's not what naturally comes down. In fact, I went to a seminary that I was trained to go into one of those churches where it's primarily the, the pastor's job to educate and to get people through the Bible and that um, you learn all of the verses and memorizing and all of those are great. I, I'm saying all of those are fantastic and I'm thankful for that. But when you look at the Scripture... Jesus says, if you want to know if you're a spiritual person, if you want to know if you're a good follower of me, it has less to, know, less to do with how much you know and comprehend and more to do with how well you treat, treat other people. Consequently, it's easy, though, because in most of our churches, we fill, 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 and we memorize, memorize, and we get through the Bible. All of those are great. It's consequently, it's easy for us to say, you know what, it's easy to learn a lot and to be smart and knowledgeable and just to settle for that. Just to settle for that. And hear me, you're going to hear me go through this message and I want to make one thing very clear. I'm not speaking against any of those things. All of those things, memorizing, getting into the Bible, praying, the spiritual disciplines, should make us love God more and love other people more. If they don't, though, then you're not a very good Christian. You're not a very good follower of Jesus because Jesus measured spirituality by healthy relationships. Do you have a healthy relationship with God the Father? Do you have a healthy relationship with people who are inside the church, your brothers and sisters? And do you have even a healthy relationship with people who are outside the church who they don't believe the way you do or talk the way you do or dress the way you do? Can you get along with other people and can you get along with God? Um, I, I want to, sh- to get two verses we're going to look at and then we're, I want you to turn your Bibles to the last one. This first verse, everybody knows though, it says this. Um, Jesus said it this way in John thirteen thirty five. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you and... I mean, we all know the verse, right? But let's just pretend that you don't. And you had to fill in the blank. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. What would you fill in the blank with? Would it be church attendance? Would it be Bible knowledge, perhaps? Would it be um, how much money you give? 
on Sunday morning? Maybe where you serve? How would you measure spiritual maturity? You see, Jesus was not primarily concerned with Bible knowledge, church attendance, um, serving, giving. What he's saying in this verse, he says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love. That's exactly right. Love one another. If you love one another. And if you're new to church or maybe you've been out of church for a while, maybe you've been bumped out of a church and you're kind of struggling maybe back and you're like, you know what, I kind of like God. I like God a lot, but I just don't like church people. You need to know that maybe we've just been bored, very poor representations of our Savior. Um, but every person that Jesus, when he showed up on the scene, they, they either loved him or they hated him, but they never ignored him. And Jesus, there was something about Jesus that people just wanted to be around him. They wanted to be his friend, except the people who knew a lot. We're going to get there, all right? Um, uh, so one that we talked about the John 13, what about this? The lawyer comes to Jesus and says, you know what, there's all these laws, there's 600 laws you know, you've got to jump so high, stoop so low, you've got to eat this, you've got to eat that, you've got to wear this. And he's saying, you know, boil it down to me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the slow track of college, uh, the 10-year plan. I don't need the 600, just give me the big one. Remember that one? And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to boil them down 600 into two. And here's what he says. I want you to, and Matthew says this, 22:37, love the Lord your God, with all of your soul and heart and your mind. This is the first. Everybody say first. First and greatest. Everybody say greatest. Greatest. It's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. And it is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is so important for us that's been in church for a long time. You've been in church ever since you were a bouncing baby boy. All right? Or a bouncing baby girl. I was telling Nick, I said... In this room, I got saved. The Lord called me to preach. I got married in this room. I'm probably going to die in this room. All right? Um, thank you for changing the carpet, by the way, for my funeral. I'm thankful for that. Um, but, uh, you know, this is so important for us because it's easy just to settle for knowledge. It's easy just to settle to be smart and to be right. But Jesus said, no, there's more. I want you to have a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father, and I want you to love people like I love you. I want you to love your, have a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father, which that's just kind of cool, because that means that Jesus believed that you could have a relationship with God characterized by love. He could have said, you know, just respect the Lord your God, honor the Lord your God, obey the Lord your God. And he says that, says that elsewhere, but here he says, no, I want you to what? Love. A very relational term. That you can have a relationship with God. That's amazing. Because I would think if I was just one lawyer coming to Jesus, you know, bullet down, I think just knowing my past and my experience, Jesus would say this to me. You know what, Chris? You need to shape up. You need to do better. You need to act up. Stop thinking about those things. Just, just start doing good. Stop sinning. But Jesus didn't do that. He says, no, I want you to love God passionately, and I want you to get along with other people. If you want to know what I'm focused on, if you want to boil it all down, love God 
and love people. He uses this very relational term to love God and to love our neighbor. The one thing that the church should be doing, we really mess it up, don't we? Most of the times. You know, we can love God a lot. Sometimes we can love people who are like us. But many times it's very hard to love people who are not like us. Could it be that the reason why we have so many different denominations today has less to do with doctrinal differences and more to do that we just can't get along with one another? The reason why many churches today, because we have so many different churches today, has less to do with a passion to reach the lost than our ability to love the found. And that leads us really to our big idea tonight, and it's this. Big idea. Following Christ is all about having healthy relationships. Period. Following Christ is all about having healthy relationships. A healthy relationship with God, a healthy relationship with other Christians, our brothers and sisters, and a healthy relationship with people who are outside these walls who may never, ever see things the way we see them or do things the way we do them. But God says, if you just learn a lot of stuff, but you don't love God more and you don't love your neighbor better, then you're not a very spiritual person. You're not a very good disciple. You're not a very good Christian. Let me say it this way. If you have a church that believes all the right things, but doesn't really love people, then you know what Jesus thinks of that church? Well, let's look at it. Revelation chapter 2. If you would, take your Bibles. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2 going to be starting in verse 1. Revelation 2.1. As you know, Jesus is talking to seven churches. At the end of this age, Jesus is measuring these churches. He's evaluating these churches. He is grading these churches, and you're going to be amazed at the curve that he grades on. You ready? You ready? All right. Revelation 2.1. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. By the way, who is that? It ain't you or me. I don't know about you, but I ain't held no stars lately. It's Jesus. All right? Um, The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So he's talking to this church at Ephesus. And from all external appearances, this was the church to beat, y'all. This church had it all together. They kept their beliefs pure uh, in a culture that was relative and was sliding. And let's look at what this church had going for it. Um, They had a good understanding of who Jesus is. He is the one who holds the stars in his hand. He is very God. They had a great view of Jesus, that he was our Lord and Savior. They knew Colossians chapter 1, that he was the firstborn, that he was the one who created uh, everything from nothing. They had a great view of Jesus. They also had a great view of the Bible. What's the very first word in in Revelation 2.1? Come on, this is interactive, people. What's the first word? There you go, right. I mean, they... They said, you know, we, we believe the Bible to be true. These, these writings, they, they held God's Word to a standard. They believed it was inerrant. They were centered around the Word, the written Word here. 
Um, look at this in, in, in Revelation 2.7. This church had the Holy Spirit. Revelation 2.7 says, Anyone willing to hear should listen to the, what's that word? Spirit. And understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. They had the Holy Spirit in this church. This church believed in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and they got the Holy Spirit. And we're going, yeah, that's a great church. That's wonderful. This church of Ephesus was a serving church. Look at verse 2. It says, I know the things that you do. They just weren't all taught. They were doing stuff. I had seen your hard work. They, They were serving. They were busy in ministry. They had stuff going on all through the week. I mean, they were known for their activity. They were a serving church. They were busy. Look at the next one. They were a sacrificing church. I know all the things that you do, and I've seen your hard work. That word for hard work isn't just, you know, just nine to five. You know, punch it in your time clock. This is, means to labor to the point of exhaustion. I mean, when they got finished with church, they went home and they crashed. They went to sleep. It is biblical to take naps after Sunday morning. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. joking. All right. They worked hard. All right? They worked hard. They labored to the point of exhaustion. They didn't quit. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't give up. I mean, they stuck with it. Look at this next one. Um, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. They didn't give up. When the going got tough, the tough didn't get going. They rolled up their sleeves and they said, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to stick in there. They also had beliefs. They, they had good beliefs. They had great doctrine. I, and in verse 2, the end of verse 2, it says, I know you don't tolerate evil people. I, you've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. You have discovered that they are liars. I mean, they had great doctrine and beliefs right. They believed their Ephesus faith and message. Thank you. All right. They believe the truth without error. I mean, they believe that this is inspired from table of contents to maps. They believed in God's Word. Um, not only that, they were willing to suffer. You, I don't like suffering. I like cush things, posh, all right, the posh life. But they suffered. Look at this. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, verse 3. This church was moving and grooving. This church was serving. They were sacrificed. They were suffering. They were busy. They weren't throwing in the tile. They had their systematic theology down pat. They were conservative. This church was fundamental in their beliefs. Though you and I would give this church an A+. You know what Jesus gives them? An F-. minus. Because it's not enough. It's not enough to have all of that. If you miss the first and greatest commandment, it's not enough. Look at what he says. 2-4. But I have this complaint against you. Isn't that like Jesus? All this good stuff going, and he's going to find that one thing. All of us have got that one thing in our lives, right? And God always just works on it, works on it. He says, no, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. What is it all about? It's about love. It's about love. They no longer loved God with all of their heart. They no longer loved each other like themselves. Another translation reads it this way. I have this against you. You have left your first love. All of these things that they did for Jesus didn't matter if they didn't have love. It just didn't matter. It wasn't worth a hill of beans. 
You can have a church that has great doctrine. You can have a church that argues over tulip till the day is long. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Uh, you can have church that says, you know, we're going to do it this way and we're going to do it God's Word. All of that is great. It's, it needs to be that way. But knowledge puffs up. And if we're not careful, we have a tendency just to believe the right things without doing the right things, or more importantly, loving the right person and the right people, which is everyone, which is Jesus Christ. It is all about Him, healthy relationships here, and healthy relationships with the people in here, and healthy relationships with the people out of here. Man, when you read the Testament, this is so evident. Deep isn't just the goal in terms of deep knowledge. The goal of the New Testament is to love God passionately, love the people you agree with, and love the people even you don't agree with. How did Jesus say it? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? That's deep. I've not gotten that done yet. That's the deepness. It's a deep love. And I hope and pray that all of our knowledge and all of the things that we learn, and we should always continue learning those, it should facilitate more of a loving relationship with our Lord and a loving relationship with people in here that we agree with. (laughs) Some of us agree, right? And then a loving relationship with people out there who many times we won't agree with. Love God passionately. You want to go deep? You want to get even more specific with love? Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's deep. Wives, a little specific, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's deep. And I know something about you, wife. You would rather have some guy who loves you like Christ loved the church than somebody who can parse every Greek word and walk you through the Bible and tell you to shut up and sit down because I'm not finished telling you what God's words have to say about you. You would rather have somebody that loved you like Christ loved the church, would you not? Absolutely, you would. You know, what's so interesting is so many of us have gotten bumped out of church not because of doctrinal reasons, but because of relational reasons. Let's just show our hands. How many of you, either yourself or you know people, that got bumped out of church because they couldn't get along with people? All right, raise your hands. Keep them up. Look around. You see that? Uh, See, our issue many times is not... Sometimes it's our beliefs, but most of the times is we just can't love people. You know, that's one of the reasons why we started to exit one. Um, we knew that the reason why people don't go to church in the South is because they've been to church. You know what I mean? I mean, they've been to church and they're like, eh, I don't know, I don't know about that. I, they weren't very nice or they weren't very friendly. And uh, you all heard the statistic, 86% of people don't go to church in Montgomery County, and we're the buckle of the Bible Belt, right? So they've been to church. So we wanted to do something a little bit differently and say we're going to measure... Spiritual depth and spiritual maturity, not by classes that they take, not by verses that they memorize, all of those are valid, but we're going to measure spiritual depth and maturity by three different types of relationships. And this is how we define it. Intimacy with God, community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. That if they have a balanced and good relationships with those three groups of people, God, people in the church, and people outside the church, then spiritually they're doing well. Spiritually, they're doing well. If we can learn the people we agree with and learn the people we don't, if we can love our friends, if we can love our enemies, 
if we can learn, love the people we believe the way and we vote the way and all that stuff, and then we learn the people that we, they, we just don't. So we decided up front, we're going to do it this way. We, I'm so tempted, and I love, I love memorizing Scripture. I love reading God's Word daily. I love praying. But all of that, I pray, gets us to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about this. The, the people who were Jesus' greatest enemies was who? In the New Testament. The people who knew everything. I mean, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis. Exodus. Leviticus. Dear Lord. When's the last time y'all read Leviticus? Man, there's some good verses in there, but man, and it's inspired, but I'm telling you, I've got I to gotta be fully awake when I go through Leviticus. I mean, they memorized Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. I mean, these people knew it. They taught the law. And Jesus was always saying, have you not heard? Have you not read? Have you not heard? And they're like going, Jesus, yeah, we've heard. We've taught this stuff. <laughs> but they knew this stuff, but it didn't get down into here. It didn't get down into here. Because we don't get smart just by, so we can get smart. We get smart so that we can love God, love other people. But somehow along the way in church history, we just decided to be smart, settled for being knowledgeable, dogmatic. Our history of Christianity is so with us. Some, somewhere along the way, we have decided that we are right and that everybody else is wrong and we treat wrong people wrongly. And that ain't right. That is not right. No, we're supposed to love the people we don't agree with and that don't agree with us. I, I, my prayer is when people come to church on Sunday morning that they leave and they say, you know what? Those people were some weird people. There were some kooks there. And uh, I don't believe in everything they believe in. I don't understand the whole Bible thing. I don't even know if I understand God yet. But I trust those people and they were nice people. And I would trust them with my kids and I'd trust them with my wife. And even I'd even trust them with my checkbook. Because they were nice people and they loved one another. And yeah, they may be a little fanatical, but I think I'm going to come back. That's what we want. That's what we want. I know my wife. My wife is five foot six. Seven, thank you. Are you available for marriage counseling after the service? All right, wonderful. Roger's saying it. Yeah, if you wrap it up quick. All right, anyway. She's five foot seven. She has blue eyes. Uh, she has wonderful blonde hair. She has the voice of an angel. She uh, she she wears size ten shoes. So, <laughs> do you mind? I, I, she she is adopted. I know all of these things about my wife, and now you know them. But see, just knowing those facts doesn't mean you have a relationship with Kim. You just know stuff about Kim. That doesn't mean that I or you know her intimately. Could it be that many of us here tonight that kind of like that with God? Yeah, there's 66 books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Epistle, Romans. Yeah, you can say all of those. And yeah, you can memorize John 3.16. And you know all of these facts about Jesus. You know that God made the world. And you know all of this stuff. You know all about God. And everybody thinks, man, you're so spiritual. But you really don't know God. And God really doesn't know you. Because just knowing facts about a person doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. How did James say it? Many will, many will call me Lord, Lord. 
He says, and even the demons believe, is what James said. A lot of people are going to say, didn't, 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 I, you, you knew me, you know, you knew me. We had our hand signals. And Jesus is like, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. You may have known about me, but you never have a relationship with me. Here's a question that may even hit harder. Do you love the people in the church? <laughs> That's difficult sometimes. Do you love the people who dress differently than you do? Do you love the people who read different books than you do? Maybe even have a different worship style? Ugh. I had a gentleman yes, last Sunday who uh, came up to me, uh, an older gentleman, with tears in his eyes. And he said, you know, I, I grew up in the church, and I, this person loves Jesus. Uh, I know this person's daughter. And uh, I, I, she, he, he just said, I, I just I love God, and I've been in church in my life, and I'm a more traditional type of person. I said, that's okay. He says, and I've really not liked contemporary worship. Not liked it. I said, okay. He says, I, I really didn't like it this morning. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but he says, you know what? He says, I know y'all are doing the right thing. Because it's not contemporary versus traditional. Because God doesn't care. He doesn't really care. Worship is not about songs. And with tears in his eyes, he says, you know, this church is reaching people that my church wouldn't reach. And he gave me a big hug. He gave me a big hug. And I said, well, thank you very much. There are people on the other end of that aisle who say contemporary is the only way to go. We need to have those, their hearts broken as well. Because it's not about worship styles, people. Y'all know this. Can we get along with people in here? Because if we can't, then how are we going to tell them that Jesus loves them when I can't love you? Here's maybe another question. Do you love the people outside these walls? Can you love the conservatives? I'm, can you love pe- the liberals? Can you lo- love people who vote differently than you do, than your party? Because God is bigger than both parties. Can you love people who have a different lifestyle than you? Can you love straight people? Gay people? Can you love people who may never, ever agree with you? Ever. Can you love them? Or do you just want to argue with them? Prove them wrong? Are you more interested in winning arguments with them than loving them? Or are you more interested in getting their theology right than getting your relationship with them right? Or boycotting them? It's about love. Let's close with Jesus' last words to the, this church of Ephesus. It says this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Look how far you've fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. If you don't, I will come and I will remove your lampstand. I'll blow out your candle from this place among the churches. I was Googling the church of Ephesus last night. I found their web address. It's www. And uh, I was able to go on iTunes, and I got last week's podcast of the pastor at the church of Ephesus. You want to hear it? I got a clip. Listen to it real close. Wasn't that good? Let me show you the church of Ephesus. got a picture 
There's Ephesus. You can keep on going. Just show some of these pictures. Let them scro- scroll. Or just that one. <laughs> um, did they listen? No. Anybody did so for a while. You go there. Brother Roger told me this a couple years ago. It's a tomb. It's a tomb. You go to churches in England, you know what? Most of them? Tombs. Because we just can't settle for just head knowledge. We've got to love people. We've got to love God. They didn't get it right. And church history is so full of this. By the year 300 A.D., they weren't getting it. By the year 1100 A.D., they said, you know what? Let's just stop loving people. Let's do the Crusades and let's kill people for the glory of God. Woo-hoo! So they march into Jerusalem and they kill thousands of Arabs. And all along the way, they kill Jews all along the way. They settled just for being right. In the year 1490, Spanish Inquisition happened. And they said, you know what? You don't do communion like we do. We'll torture you until you say you've got some cult thing going on. Then we'll kill you. Because they wanted to be right. And it's not just about being right. That's half of it. It's about loving people. It's about loving God. That's what it's about. And that's what I need to do better. I think that's what all of us need to do better. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I... Lord, so many of us, we know all those facts. Lord, I've grown up here in this church all my life. In the Sunday school. Know the songs. Know the stories. Lord, there was a time in my life I knew all that stuff and it was just knowledge. And I didn't have a relationship with you. You weren't real to me. Lord, I pray if there's someone in here tonight that they know all of this stuff. But Lord, they don't have that relationship. They got the facts, but they don't have the relationship. Lord, I pray that they would be praying right now. Lord, I need you. I need that relationship. I'm educated well beyond my means. I need you. Lord, I know there's some of us in here today that maybe you've been, we've been out of church for a long time and you don't know all the facts. You don't know all this stuff. But you're willing to follow a God who loves you completely even though we've messed up and we've sinned. Lord, I pray, Lord, for them. Lord, that as they continue to grow in their spiritual walk and they read more and they they dig in deeper, that that knowledge would lead them to a love relationship with you and not just head stuff. Lord, for us in here, Lord, I pray that we would be able to get along with one another. That we would stop, if we are backbiting, gossiping, and that we really would love people. People who look like us and people who don't. People who act like us and people who don't. And Lord, for those people who aren't yet here, the reason why you still have us here is for those people. Because you love them. I believe what God's Word says in John 3.16, that you love the world. And you wish for none to perish. Lord, I pray that this week, that as people look at our lives, and they look at how we love one another, and how we love you, and how we love them, even though they don't agree with us, and we don't agree with them, Lord, that they would be attracted to you and that you would give us an opportunity 
for telling other people about Jesus. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.